0: reading is Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. If you have a church Bible, find approximately page 1027. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven the shepherds said to one another let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him
1: Well, good morning everyone. I had a horrible feeling that Nathan was about to say I was going to sing my sermon but you'll be glad that's not true this morning. Let's pray together and ask the Lord to speak to us through his word as we look at the Bible this morning. Let's pray. Father God in heaven we thank you this morning that we can gather to encourage each other and most of all to see something of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ as expressed through the gospel message, through the message of Christmas. And so, Father God, as we look at the Bible now, we pray, Father, that you would surprise us, that you would renew our delight in the Lord Jesus Christ, in all that he is and all that he has done. Father, we pray that you would melt hard hearts this morning. And Father, we pray that where there are scales on eyes and hard hearts and ears that need unstopping father we pray that the holy spirit would be at work amongst us revealing christ revealing our need of him and so may we rejoice and praise you and so may christ be glorified father may the words of my mouth and may the meditations of all our hearts this morning be not just acceptable but pleasing to you for we ask it in jesus name and for his glory amen Well, text this morning is Luke uh, chapter 2, 8 to 20, the passage that uh, Tina read for us so helpfully, and the title of this message is The Angels Speak to the Shepherds. Well, tomorrow is the big day, the day of so many things, the day of present giving and present receiving. It's the day when all of us remember that it is more blessed to give than to receive, don't we? I think. But that's uh, that's the theory at least. That's tomorrow. But tomorrow's the day when we particularly remember the giving of God the Son by God the Father to be the Savior of the world. We remember how God the Son took on humanity to become the God-man. We remember the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into the world as the indescribable gift. And this morning, I want us to see the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ anew, afresh as it were. I want this morning to help us make today and tomorrow days of rejoicing, days of praising, days of glorifying our God amongst us and in us. Well, I suspect that this text is familiar to most, if not all of us, just as that last paraphrase of these words is familiar to many of us, if not all of us, again. But we remember that in this text, the angel announces the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ to some shepherds near Bethlehem. The angel announces the circumstances of the birth of the Messiah. The angel says that how the shepherds can go and find the child... And then the angel is joined by more angels and they recite or they sing a poem of praise to and about the Lord. The angels leave and the shepherds go to Bethlehem and they go to Bethlehem to see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. Well, My aim this morning is to point to some truths contained in this Christmas narrative. These truths that can challenge us and spur us on, I hope, to praise. Truths, if you like, to fuel our joy over the next 24 hours and beyond. Truths that lead us to glorify our God as we praise him. And I'm going to gather these truths around four words this morning, and then you'll be able to see where we are headed. Four words, and they all begin with the letter R, and you'll probably need your glasses to see that one, as I would, but there we are, I'll read it out anyway. The first one is the word recipients, recipients, verses 8 to 10. In other words, we'll have a look at those who received the good news. Now, of course, all of us probably know that it was a group of shepherds who first heard the announcement of the Messiah's birth. They were the first to witness the arrival of the Messiah, except Mary and Joseph themselves, of course. And on one hand, it's a remarkable fact that it would be shepherds who were first to hear the announcement of Messiah's birth. It should surprise us that it's shepherds who'd be first to hear and to see the new Messiah. We might have expected the announcement of the arrival of god 's Son into the world to be made to significant people, to the powerful, to the movers and shakers of society at that time, to those we might call the influencers. I don't really know what they are. Ask a younger person, but you'd expect one of uh, what the news, rather, of the messiah 's birth. To be announced to the important people of the day. Maybe to the chief priest or the members of the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, to Herod, the Roman governor and so on. But the announcement of the arrival of the Messiah was made to shepherds in a field. Now shepherds at best in first century society were viewed as insignificant and uneducated And at worst, shepherds in those days were seen as somewhat uncouth or uncivilized, untrustworthy. They were seen as lawbreakers because of their lifestyle living out in rural parts. They were unable to keep the Jewish law properly, at least as the Jewish law was interpreted by the scribes at the time. The shepherds were unable to participate fully in Israel's religious life. And by the first century, shepherds were not allowed to give testimony in court. They were viewed so lowly. They were not allowed to bear witness in a legal trial. And yet, these shepherds, they are the recipients, they're the receivers of the angelic message of the birth of God's Christ. So, on one hand, we should be surprised. We should see it as remarkable that shepherds would be the recipients of this news. And yet, on the other hand, the recipients of this message were unsurprising, unremarkable, if we reflect a little bit on the character of our God. Just consider this. Our God is a God who reveals spiritual truth, not to those who are wise in the world's eyes, not to those who are wise or learned. Our God reveals spiritual truth to those who will receive it like little children, to those who will trust their Father in heaven. Jesus says this in Matthew 11, verse 25. Our God is a God who opposes the proud, but who gives grace to the humble. James 4, verse 6. And then we think about the words, or the the song of Mary in Luke chapter 1, in the Magnificat there. She tells us that we have a God who scatters the proud, but who lifts up the humble. Or you might remember the words that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian Christians in 1 Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Gloriously in his grace, we have a God who chooses to work through the unintelligent, through those without worldly influence, through, through those of us who are low born, through the weak, through the despised. And why does he do that? Well, our God does that so that those who serve him may not boast in their achievements, they might, may, might not boast in their success. Our God works that way so that those he uses in his kingdom work might ascribe, might give all the success, all the achievement, all the glory, all the fame, all the honor to God alone. That's the way our God chooses to work, to glorify his name. Maybe this morning you're sat there and you feel insignificant. Insignificant. You feel too insignificant to be part of God's kingdom work. Maybe this morning you feel weak. Maybe you feel foolish. Maybe you feel lowly. Dare I say to some of you, you can give me a slap later on, maybe this morning you're sat there and you're feeling a little bit old to be involved in God's kingdom work. Maybe you feel past your best before date. And yet this passage encourages us That it's such people that our God uses in his kingdom work. He uses us. He uses such people to encourage each other as God's people. He uses us to bring the gospel to sinners that they might be saved. And he uses people like us so that he might get the glory. He might get the fame. He might get the honor. Perhaps this morning you're sat there and you're not a Christian. Maybe you're sat there and you feel too insignificant for the Lord to be bothered with you, for our God to bother with you. Maybe you feel too irreligious. Maybe you feel too immoral or too tainted by life or too broken or too empty-handed. Maybe you feel too despised by others for God to bother with you. Well, our God delights to forgive such people. Our God delights to to forgive everyone who comes to him asking for his forgiveness. Trusting in his son, trusting in what Jesus did on the cross for us. Our God delights to make such people, people like us, his sons and daughters through faith in his son. The Lord Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we can well believe that these shepherds, they were poor in spirit. And our Lord blessed them and took them, that they might be the first who would witness the arrival of the Messiah. So that's recipients. First are recipients. The second one is report report verses 10 to 12 we have a look here at the message or the report of the angel to the shepherds well the angel says don't be afraid i'm bringing you good news of great joy and the angel tells the shepherds of the messiah's birth and he gives them instructions about how they can find the messiah and i think there there's an implicit command you are to go and find the messiah though it's not said expressly there is that implicit command that that's what they are to do and the report that the angel brings testifies to the identity of the one that they are to go and to find the angel says in verse 11 that the child has been born to you the child has been born to you We have just sung, to you in David's town this day is born of David's line. To you in David's town this day. And for those of you who know the book of Isaiah or know your Christmas prophecies in the Old Testament, there's an allusion there, I think, to Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, where Isaiah talked about, for to us a child is born, to us a son is born. Is given so I think the angel is alluding to that prophecy of Isaiah in the Old Testament here is a child here is the Messiah the ruler the king he is the one who would be God himself as predicted in the Old Testament and especially by the prophet Isaiah Isaiah's prophecy is now coming to pass And this is demonstrated by the description of the baby by the angel to the shepherds. We're told that this baby is Messiah. He's the Christ. He's God's anointed king. Verse 11. He's the one who is predicted by the Old Testament prophets. He's the one whose kingdom would never end. He's the one whose kingdom would be forever increasing. He's the one from the line of King David and he's the one before whom one day every knee shall bow and confess him as lord christ the lord the angel says he's the one as lord that we must obey we must serve he's the one who is god himself put on human flesh and at the same time we are told there that this baby was saviour he was savior he was the one who would come into the world to save his people from their sins he is the one who came into the world to save sinners like us he is the one who came to save all who would turn from their sin and trust in him he would be the one who would die in the place of his people paying the price for our sins so that we might go free So it's no wonder the angels call this good news that will cause great joy. Well, the angel gives instructions on how to find the Messiah, this child. He's to be found in the town of David in in Bethlehem, the town of King David's heritage, his ancestry. And they're to find a baby lying in a manger in an animal's feeding trough. And I think many of us are so familiar with this line that we miss the impact of it. Go and find God's Messiah, the shepherds are told. Oh, and by the way, you'll find God's Messiah in an animal feeding trough. It should grate with us. But often it doesn't because we're so familiar with the passage. You'll find the Messiah in a feeding trough. And again, this should be so remarkable, so surprising to us. He is the Son of God, the Messiah, the Lord, the King of kings, the King of glory, the one through whom the universe was made. And he's to be found in an animal's feeding trough. That is his cradle. Remarkable. Should be surprising. And yet, to twist it on its head once again unremarkable and unsurprising in a way well why is that well we're told in god's word that we have a king who came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many we've got a king who gave up the glories of heaven in the presence of his father to be born as a man later on in his life in his ministry we have a king who was unlike the foxes and the birds They have holes to live in and nests to live in, but he would have no home of his own, nowhere to lay his head. So in one sense, it's truly fitting that the Christ should have such a cradle. When we reflect on the Christmas narrative and the truths behind it, one thing, maybe the thing that should strike us about Christmas is the humility, the the con condescension the stooping of the lord jesus christ the the one who refused to grasp hold of his rights and privileges as the second person of the godhead refused didn't refuse to leave glory the glories of heaven but the one who willingly gave up his rights and privileges to serve us who had rebelled against him we read more about that in philippians chapter 2 where the apostle paul says to us that our attitude should be the same as that as christ jesus not insisting on our rights but having hearts of sacrifice and service and i could talk a lot more about this this morning but i won't but let today and tomorrow be opportunities that we might demonstrate christ likeness to our friends and our families brothers and sisters in christ By using it as a time to serve others primarily. So that's our second R. That's report. We're on to number three. Refrain. Refrain. Verses 13 to 14. The refrain or the song if you like of the angels. We see here how the heavenly host respond to these wonderful truths. I like to think it's as if. The angels in glory looking on to what's going on down on earth, it's too much for them. They can't contain themselves any longer at the wonderful biblical truth that they're hearing. And so these thousands of angels appear and break out in praise. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. So in verse 14, we have Christmas in a nutshell. Verse 14 summarizes for us the purpose of Christmas, what Christmas is all about, because Christmas is all about the glory of God and peace to God's people. Christmas is all about God's glory, His worthiness, His weightiness, we might say, His significance, His character. Christmas is all about God revealing His own character through the incarnation, through the coming of His Son into the world as a person. Christmas is all about God bringing Himself honor and praise and exaltation through His work of salvation, through His beloved Son. And the angels look on and they can't contain their praise because of what's unfolding in front of them. The Anglican Bishop of Liverpool, J.C. Ryle, wrote, Glory to God in the highest, the song begins. Now is come the highest degree of glory to God by the appearing of his Son, Jesus Christ, into the world. More recently, the American uh, pastor and preacher, Roger Ellsworth, writes, Nothing has ever brought more glory to God than this business of Christmas. Nothing has so glorified Him as His Son taking onto Himself our humanity and in that humanity providing redemption for sinners. Christmas glorifies God. Christmas glorifies the grace of God because it shows that our God is the God who is willing and able to save rebels like you and me. Christmas glorifies the justice of God. Glorifies the justice of God because God couldn't simply let us off our sins and ignore the righteous demands of who He is and of His law. No, He had to send His Son into the world to deal with these things for us. And Christmas glorifies the wisdom of God in our God finding a way that He could be true to His law and His character and for sinners like you and me to be forgiven. So Christmas is all about the glory of God revealed in His plan for salvation. God bringing fame and honor and praise to Himself through His work and through the work of His Son. And Christmas is also about peace. Peace toward those on whom God's favor rests christ came to bring peace between god and his people to reconcile man and god to turn rebels like you and me into sons and daughters of our god and this peace would be given not to those who thought they could earn peace between god and man because none of us could but peace to be given to those or on those whom god would favor to those whom God would choose to forgive, to those whom God would grant repentance and faith in his son. And of course in this way Christmas points us towards Easter, to the cross where the Lord Jesus Christ would die for the sins of his people, where the punishment that would bring us peace would be upon him. A bit of a challenge for us all this morning and I think as we prayed at the front before the service, this was reflected in, in one of the prayers there. We can be so busy this time of year, can't we? with have so much to do and things to prepare and people to see that we can forget that Christmas is all about the glory of God. So maybe this afternoon, particularly tomorrow, as you're enjoying His good gifts, celebrate His birth, celebrate His goodness, celebrate His victory over sin, And death. Let's make sure we put time aside. To spend time in his word. Maybe a gentle challenge for those of us who lead our households. Let's lead our households tomorrow in times of prayer and praise. To our God in the word. Let's think about how we can witness to those non-Christians around us tomorrow. Let's not make tomorrow Ultimately, about food or TV or family or presents. Let's make tomorrow ultimately about the glory of God. About His Christ and His glory. So that's number three, R. That's refrain. And then finally, responses. The responses to the message of the angels and to their praise and we see these in verses 15 to 20 what responses do we see in these verses well first of all we see obedience the shepherds are obedient to the angels implicit command that they the shepherds should go and see the messiah and because they're obedient they have the blessing of being the first to witness to the arrival of the lord's christ Wonderful blessing they have because of their obedience. They seek after the Messiah. And to make the jump to us, we too are called to seek the Lord Jesus Christ, to, to come to Him by faith, to receive the blessings of seeing Him by faith. We're called to know Christ or to know Him better. Again, can I encourage us as we enter a new year to chase after the Lord Jesus Christ ask yourself this morning as I need to ask myself this morning are you on cruise control in your spiritual life if you are honest with yourself this morning do you know Christ better now than you did this time last year do you walk more closely with him are you more like him do you trust him more Are you seeking to glorify Him more? Are you more zealous for His glory and for His kingdom and His people? Are we on cruise control? Jesus says, seek first. In other words, seek after me as the priority in your lives. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And the Lord promises in Jeremiah 29, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. The shepherds were obedient in seeking after the Christ. We need to be obedient in seeking after him or more of him by faith. So one response we see is obedience. We see also evangelism. The shepherds spread the word concerning what had been told them about Jesus the child it's as if the glory of what's going on the glory of what they've witnessed the glory of what they heard creates in them such amazement that the shepherds can do nothing else but speak of the things that they have witnessed we too need to let the lord amaze us with our salvation Let's ask the Lord to amaze us again with all that he has done for us so that we are compelled to speak about our God and about how he has intervened in our lives, about the need for everyone to respond in repentance and faith to him. I think evangelistic events are great and they're necessary, but wouldn't it be wonderful if we didn't use them as a means of hiding behind Because so often we're either too scared or not zealous enough in our delight in the Lord that we are naturally overflowing ourselves in our own evangelism. Again, don't hear me wrong. I think evangelistic events are great, but wouldn't it be wonderful too if they simply backed up our personal witness because we are so thrilled about what the Lord has done for us that we were spontaneous in our own speaking of the Lord. And if you don't feel that way this morning, as very often we don't do as sinful people, ask the Lord to amaze you afresh today and tomorrow with the truths of the plan, of the plan of salvation, of, of Christmas and so on. Number three: Third response: treasuring and pondering. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Presumably that's the birth itself, the visit of the shepherds and all that they told Mary about the message of the angels. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Spend time today and tomorrow pondering Christmas. I realize yet this year I've not seen the Muppet Christmas Carol. I've I've declared it now. It's public. It's out there. It's not Christmas without the Muppet Christmas Carol, to which some of you are thinking you complete Muppet yourself. But there we are. But if it's an either or, spend time pondering Christmas. All that has happened. I was challenged yesterday by a quote from John Piper, and it really challenged me and my own Bible reading, and you'll see why. This was a quote I heard him say um, on an, an internet po- uh, podcast. I have never met a mature, fruitful, strong, spiritually discerning Christian who is not full of Scripture, devoted to regular meditation on Scripture and giving to storing it in the heart through Bible memorization. That's not a coincidence, he says. And it just made that connection in my mind. Mary treasuring up all the things that she'd heard and seen, pondering them in her heart. And then that quote from John Piper, that to grow in our faith, we need to be meditating on the Scriptures, pondering them in our heads frequently, memorizing the Bible. It's only then that we will grow in our Christ-likeness and our usefulness in the kingdom. And then very finally very finally that's not good English is it finally praise number four the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told Christmas for them was all about glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard and that's my final challenge to us over the next 24 hours Let this Christmas be all about glorifying and praising God for all the things that we are hearing, that we have heard, that we have seen concerning our great God, his beloved Son, and their wonderful work of redemption. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you again this morning for the glory of Christmas. Father, we pray that over the next few hours and days you would give us, first of all, the opportunity to spend time, more time glorying in it, whether that's individually or as families or as a church. Father, help us in this father give us that opportunity but also give us the desire father we we know that as sinners in and of ourselves we do not desire to glorify you or to know know christ better and so father we pray that your holy spirit would be at work father we pray that he would be producing in us what is pleasing to you but father we thank you that our desires are based on what christ has done for us already that he willingly came into this world to be born as a baby, to grow and to die for us as your people. And Father, we thank you that on the third day he rose from the dead and now, Father, he is seated at your right hand. Father, thank you for the grace of the gospel. Thank you for your glory. Father, help us to see these things anew. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.